Let's open our Bibles, Titus chapter 3, if you would, please. <clears throat> Titus chapter 3. We talked last time about practical stuff, and, uh, you know, we, we saw in the beginning of chapter 2, he talks about teaching, you know, that was sound doctrine, sound teaching, and then he goes on from there to give all kinds of practical stuff. So doctrine is awesome. Teaching is awesome, but it needs to always relate to practical life. How does that relate to my life? How does that relate to how we live? Now, and again, it's not to be saved, as we'll see in a, in a few minutes here, but because we are saved. So some of the things that we looked at last week, uh, you know, to be subject to the rulers and authorities, not to be rebels, not to slander, what comes out of our mouths is important, to be peaceable, not to be brawlers, pugnacious, hard to live with, to be considerate and gentle, to show humility. Just some practical stuff that, that God wants to work into our lives, and we can't do that without His help. It's not like, well, I'm going to be. No, what is, we, need, we need the power of God, the Holy Spirit within us to make Him for, for him to make us what he wants us to be. It's very, very important. It's a whole different way of, of seeing it happen. So today, as we move on here, uh, I want to uh, do a new, a new series here for the next, uh, say, three or four verses about, uh, about being changed. About being changed. Uh, how many of you uh, see uh, these pictures of the before and, act, before and after pictures? I was going to put some up, but they're kind of embarrassing, you know, because how many of you would want those pictures up there, you know, before and after, you know, they, uh, these guys in the back, you know, I was talking to them today and uh, Ahmad was giving me a hard time. He said he was going to make me look good somehow with the camera, you know, and uh, well, I said, don't I already look good? No, I didn't say that. What I said was, do you want me to put some makeup on? And uh, Aaron said, well, I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> and, and, and so, but, but these before and after pictures, I've seen them where they have this little spray. It's like, it's like a, a spray paint thing. You, see, you know what I'm talking about? And you spray it, you spray it all over your face, and it like makes it like good instantly. It's like... Uh, uh, you're in a, a paint booth or something, and they're spraying this. And so you see it before, and you see it after, and you're like, wow, I want to look like that, right? But usually, usually it's about some kind of a diet. That's why I didn't want to put those up there, because man, it makes us look bad. <laughs> or it's some kind of exercise uh, machine. Well, if you buy this machine for like $3,500, you used to look like this, but you will now look like this after like 17 minutes a day. That's all it takes, 17 minutes a day, right? I shudder to think how many of you have bought that machine. <laughs> oh, boy. Now it's like collecting dust, and you've got you know, hangers on there and clothes hanging all over it. They make really good clothes uh, hangers, by the way. We know that. But the idea, the idea of it 
is this, and mostly for the world, that's looking on the outside, the before and after. But God is, he's working from the inside. And Chris uh, led us in that song this morning, from the inside out. That's where God works. He starts on the inside. And so it's this, something is happening on the inside. You see, and that's, that's this idea of being changed. We're being changed by God, and God is working on the inside of us to make us into something different. And that's what I want to talk about today. And, and part one here that we're going to look at today is found in verse 3. But we'll, re- we'll read a few more verses and that kind of get a picture of what we're talking about here. Let's look at verse 3. It says, At one time we too were foolish, <clears throat> excuse me, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated. And hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. He saved us. See, there's a big change that takes place. And that's, that's what, that's what I, I'm trying to get at today. But, but let's start here with... with uh, B.C. Anybody know what B.C. stands for? Oh, yeah, it says it right there. I forgot. Before Christ. B.C. Before Christ in my life. Before Christ in your life. Before Christ comes in and, and, and does this incredible miracle. We're going to talk about this, the new birth and, and uh, being born again. What does that mean? It's not just a, a, a bad term that people use about you because you're a Christian. Something actually happens in your life, inside of you. But the old me. How many of you remember that movie, The Way We Were? You just told me how old you are. The Way We Were. I'll sing it for you. No thanks. You know, God... I think, I think we have to realize that God, when God comes into a life and does something, it's radical. This is a radical thing. And that's why we have these girls come from Teen Challenge, and they, they talk about what God is doing, what God has done. And, and that, there's kind of a, a, an interesting thing we need to keep in mind. There's something that God has done in our lives and inside of us, and there's something that God is doing. Okay, there's a radical transformation that takes place, yet at the same time, he's transforming us. You, you kind of follow what I mean by that? There's something radical that's eternal, that, that is done, it's taken place. But yet there's also the, the day-to-day transforming where he's kind of changing us the way we, maybe that's the outside part as he's making us more and more like Jesus. But the old me, you know, the condition of who we are, and that's what he's talking about. He says, at, at one time, we too, and, and he includes himself, right? He didn't say you, you all. He said we, Paul says. Mm-hmm. Warren Wearsby says about this verse, he says, Titus 3.3 needs little explanation. We know what it means from our own experience. Now, some of you say, well, man, I'm not, I'm not any of that stuff. That's not me. And what I say to you is you need to get real. You need to be honest with yourself. Who are you really? 
Say, well, I've never done all these bad things like some of these people to give their testimony. And they're, it's like, oh, I went out and did this and that. But you thought about doing it. You thought about doing some of those things. Maybe you never cut somebody off on the highway, but you wanted to. Maybe you never killed anybody. Maybe you never stole, but you wanted to. You see, it's, it's something that's in us, these things that he's talking about here. You know, what's your story? Paul had a story. Paul loved to tell this story. And I, and, I, and I think it's something that we should all be able to do, like those girls come and tell their story in, in five minutes or less. I think we should be able to tell our story. Like, what has God done in your life? Did, did he do anything? Can you tell somebody your story? I, I tell my story all the time uh, here. I, I have a, a, obviously, I have a platform that I can speak more often than you. So I have a, a platform to tell you my story, and, and uh, I do that as often as I can because it says in Revelation they defeated the enemy. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of their testimony, by their story. You see, that, that gets in, in, you know, the enemy does not like that when you tell someone your story. And who knows your story better than you? Nobody. You say, well, I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Well, do you know anything about your own life? Do you know your own story? Do you know who you are? Is God doing something in your life? That's your story. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to be able to tell somebody. Anyways, uh, you know, I was lost, I know. I was lost. I was searching for truth. I, was, I had no hope whatsoever. I know. I was thinking the other day, and, and I kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the rebellious, you know, growing up that I had and, and uh, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, where I came from. And I, re- and I had this, this thought, and it, it might sound weird, but I really, I really think there's some truth to it, is that I am a miracle. And, and that's not to say that I'm anything special, but I think God has done something, and it's a miracle. Just me standing here today is a miracle. If you knew what my BC was like, if you knew, if you could go back in time with me to San Diego, California in the 19... some odd, <laughs> back there. I was, I was born in 1955, and, and uh, you know, did you know I got kicked out of high school? Any of you know that? Did any, any of you know I used to deal drugs? Any of you know that? You know, it's a miracle that, that, you know, that I'm actually here, and I've been here for 30 years. Amen. You know, I was thinking this year is a big uh, celebration year. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, we came out from California this year. 40 years ago, I married my wife. 10 years ago, we got this building. There's a 20. What's the 20. I forget. Someone told me a 20 last night. I forget what it was. What was it? 20? Did you tell me something? 20-something. It'll come to me. 
it's really a, mir a miraculous thing that, that we, you know, who was I to come out from California and start a church somewhere? Like, I had no clue. Like, I didn't know anything about how to do that. And yet here we are, 30 years later, it's a church, we're functioning, we have a place to meet, we're together every week. It's a miracle. Let me tell you, I, you know, now that doesn't mean that God still is, is you know, isn't working in me. He is. He's still, I got a long way to go. I got a long way. There's a lot of work he still needs to do. He, he still needs to do in me, and, and uh, that's cool too. But what has God done in you? What's your story? Who are you? There's been a change. I want you to turn back with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. It's not that far. It's about four or five books or so. I didn't count. Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians, chapter 2, and verse 1. He says there, As for you, you were dead. In your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us, he includes himself again here, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest we were, by nature, objects of wrath. What is he saying here? He says, you, you and we, we were, we were there. That was us. But something happened. But the key word that he uses there is dead. You were dead. You and I, before we know Christ, we are dead in sin. We have no life. There's no, there's no life within us. But when Jesus comes into a life... Something happens, some, something takes place. That's where this idea of being born again, we'll get into that. But let's go back to Titus 3.3 and look at this list here. Maybe you say, well, none of those apply to me. Well, I don't know. The first thing he says there is, is foolish, right? Foolish. At one time, we too were foolish. We didn't understand. We thought we knew it all. Any of you ever been there? Well, if you were a teenager. Oops, sorry, guys. That's right, the Omegans. And by the way, I heard this on the radio today, uh, what yo means. Yo means it's not yes and it's not no. It's yo. Okay, just so you, now you know what that means. The psalmist said this, the fool has said in his heart what? There is no God. How many of you thought that before? How many before you came to know Jesus Christ, there is no God? Maybe some of you in this room today are thinking there is no God and you've never had that experience where Jesus Christ has come into your life and changed you and you know there is a God and you know 
that God is working in your life. At one time, we too were foolish. He says, at one time we were disobedient. We were disobedient to God. We were disobedient to, to others that were over us. And we did it by choice. And it's something we'd be, you know, it, it starts at a very young age when you tell your parent, you are not what? The boss of me. The boss of me. You are not the boss of me. Sad to say, some of us are still saying that to God now. You're not the boss of me. Sometimes even as believers, we say, no, no, not that one. You can't tell me, no. And we get a little battle going on there. Disobedient. How about deceived? Any of you ever, you know how deceived you were? The word means to be led astray. And, and Peter says that we were like sheep going astray. But now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. You know, there are so many ways that we are deceived. Before we come to know Jesus Christ, uh, I, I'll listed a few of them here for you. In 1 John 1, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you say, well, no, I'm not a sinner. If you say there's no such thing as sin, and that's a common conception, this word sin is like a sin, it's not a word. There's no such thing as sin. You might feel some, you know, you might make someone feel bad if you tell them that there's such a thing as sin. Well, you might as well just get rid of this book, right? Because he tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a deception. It's a deception of the world. It's a deception of the flesh. Galatians 6 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Don't be deceived, he says. It's another way we become deceived where we think it doesn't really matter what I do. God, you know, God's not going to do anything if I do this or if I do that. Well, first of all, there is no God. But if there is, he's not going to do it's not going to affect anything. Don't be deceived. It doesn't matter what I do. But it says there, the man reaps what he sows. God cannot be mocked. Jesus said it over and over. He said, don't, don't let anyone deceive you. He says, there will be many coming in his name saying, I am the Christ. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Many coming along saying, you know what? This is the way. I'm, this is the way to, to get through life. This is the answer. Because basically Christ means Messiah, means the anointed one. It means the way. It means the answer for the need that we have. There's lots, of, there's lots of other answers out there, but Jesus said he was the way. 2 Timothy says that evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Don't be deceived, he says. But he says at one time here in Titus, we too were foolish, we're disobedient, we're deceived. The next thing he says there is, is, is enslaved. Enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. These desires, these cravings, these longings that 
desires for what is forbidden. We're enslaved by them. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, uh, Val said it, you know, that, that you've got to serve somebody. She didn't say that. She said something about this, though, but it just went out of my mind. But Bob Dylan said that, you know, you've got to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. He says, we were enslaved by passions, by pleasures. Of all different kinds. Desires to be rich, desires for youthful lust. Someone mentioned it. Desires, it's said in 2 Timothy, for teachers to tell us what our itching ears want to hear. Enslaved, addicted. What about all the addictions that are taking place today in our world, in our society? There's so many addictions that are happening now, and, and it, it's, it's like we're, we're in this addictive society, but he says that we were there. We were there. He says there, we lived in malice, ill will, envy, wanting what other people have, this discontent, hate, being hated and hating one another. What a life. What a life. He says at one time we too were there. I can say, you know, I can relate to pretty much most of those there in that list. If I'm honest. But something happened in my life. But something happened in my life. That's what he said there in, in verse 4, didn't he? We have the before and we have the after, and it says there in verse 4, but, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. But something happened in my life. Something happened in your life where the forgiveness came into your life and changed you. It's the only hope for being changed. He saved us. It's, it's the answer. Jesus is the answer. You know, we have so many problems in our society today. And so many people have all the answers. Well, if we do this and if we do this, you know what? Our main problem is a spiritual problem. Our main problem in, the, in our country today is that we have turned away from God. You know, it was, it was difficult to find a clip uh, of Billy Graham, but one of them I listened to, he, he talked specifically about that, about our country turning away from God. Our kids talked about it here. You know, they go to school and there's not many Christians there, there's not many believers there. We still profess to be a Christian nation, but you know what? It's not happening. We have turned away and we're going to reap what we have sown. You know, to this deception of thinking that we can pretty much do whatever we want to do. 
we're going to reap and we are reaping. That we've turned away from faith in God and following after Jesus Christ and, and being changed from the inside out. What does it say here? It says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. The kindness and the love of God appeared. He saved us. Not because, it says there, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. You know, verse 3 gives us a picture of us and to think that we could possibly be saved by something that we did. In fact, Isaiah says this, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are what? Like filthy rags. Anything that we think that we can bring to be saved, well, God, you know what, I did this, and I haven't done that, and, and you know, you take a good look at my life, God, and and that, that's not a very good thing to say to God. The truth is we need to take a good look at ourselves and say, what you know, we are, we are unrighteous and we need what God alone can bring, what God alone can do within me. But I love what it says here that His kindness, His love, His mercy saves us says there that the kindness of God, you know, draws us, brings us to repentance. God loves you. God loved me so much that he wanted to do something in my life. And like Billy said on that video, all you need to do is accept it. That's all that you and I need to do for this change to take place. Radically changed on the inside. God's done it. So my question, my question to you, my question that I ask myself is, have you been changed? Have you been changed? Do you know kind of like who you are and, and, and can you actually get honest and get real with yourself and say, yeah, you know, apart from what God is doing in my, in my life and inside my heart, I'm just a filthy, rotten sinner. That's all I am. That's all I have to bring. But when Jesus entered my life, that's what he talked about in the video, having purpose, having life, eternal life, because Jesus is in my life. You say, oh, you talk about that a lot. You know what? It's the most important thing of life. Greg Laurie sat down with Chuck Smith uh, not long before he passed away, and he said, Chuck, what's the most important message? What's, you know, you've been preaching the gospel. You've been teaching the Word of God for uh, I don't know how many years. It was a lot of years. What's the most important? And he didn't hesitate. He didn't flinch. He said, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message we just heard from Billy Graham. That's the message that you and I have. That's what's going to change people's lives. When 
we allow, we receive Jesus Christ into our hearts and lives and let him do what he wants to do. He comes in, and I'm going to talk about that next time, about this radical transformation that takes place on the inside where we become born again by the Spirit of God. Have you been changed? I'm not talking about on the outside. A lot of, lot of well, pretty much all the other religions are trying to change yourself from the outside and do this. It's a system of works. Well, if I do this and this and this, and then I might go to heaven... Or I might be, you know, enter a, a, a more exalted state, or I might be able to be re reincarnated as a frog, and, and then work my way up to being a, you know, whatever. No. It's by grace that we're saved by receiving what Jesus Christ has done, where He has taken my sin upon the cross. All I had to offer, he had to take it on the cross and die in my place. That's the message that you and I have for life. That's what the people in the world around us need so desperately. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves before you under your mighty hand that you would lift us up because of what Jesus has done. Lord, I, I stand amazed. I stand in awe that, that you can come into a person's life and do something radical, transformational. And all that we need to do is simply let you in, allow you into our lives. I thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. I know that the work uh, is still continuing but you who have begun a good work in me will complete it, bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. You're still working. You, you still have a lot to do in me and in each one of us here that have, that have given our lives to Jesus. But, but our, our eternity is set because of what Jesus did for me, for each one of us. Lord, I thank you for that life, that death, and that resurrection of Jesus, our Savior because of his kindness, because of his love. I pray that each person in this room would know that you're alive, that you are living within us. Maybe today you're here, or maybe you're listening at some point, and you know that you just need a Savior. You need help. You need an answer. You need life. You need hope. And all you need to do is open your heart right now and pray. Hope is only a prayer away. Life is only a prayer away. And say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Save me. I'm lost. Forgive me of my sin. I ask you in. I believe in you today, here. God, help us all. We give you glory. We give you honor. 
for what you have done in us and what you are still doing today in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, stand and, uh, and sing together, shall we?